cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, good morning everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Monday. February 5th, 2024. This is episode number 550 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And as I slide into the work week, I do want to say over the next 45 minutes. Uh, hold on. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Marcus Kyler, the Yeet Crew, Carrie, yes. Nia, Senfalis, David Potesta, Medin G., Jay and Michelle, Matt McDaniel, Jesse Johnson, the mods, Eric Taylor, Joel Belton, Alpha Sierra, Divine Dream Divine, kicking it. Folks over on LinkedIn, people on YouTube, long timers, first timers, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you drive cyber risk reduction down for your business stakeholders using this information? Don't sweat it. We'll be going through it all. It's all about good times. And if you're new here, you're looking to break into the industry, um, you know, you're not uh, thinking like, oh, how can I drive cyber risk reduction? I'm just still trying to figure out what's going on here. Believe me, there's going to be value for you here. Absolutely. You're going to be asked in any job interview. How do you stay? <laughs> how do you stay current in the industry? Boom. Every single day, daily cyber threat brief. How do you find out opportunities and resources in such networking? Boom. Two windows over. Say what's up to John Brock on LinkedIn, Chris Young on YouTube. Jeff Watala, squad members with blue badges, Tom Bishop. Woo! Guys, it's going to be all good. I got to tell you, uh, I'm super pumped. And just so everybody knows, I do not research or prep for any of the stories that we're about to get into. So you're going to need my raw hot takes on all the stories. Now, before we dig into it, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, y'all? Barricade Cyber Solutions, they know how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Security. Panopsi Security. Get a partner who understands your cyber program and, more importantly, your business goals. This is the sweet spot of where GRC lives, y'all. We could be the best cybersecurity professionals in the world, but if we're not empowering the business to be successful, I know, I know it doesn't sound great, but guess what? It is. That's the deal. We are here to enable business. So get a partner who understands how to help cyber do that in a meaningful, impactful way. Panopsi Security, whether you got to do tabletop exercises, 
build out an InfoSec program, mature one. Hold on. George Strasberger just finished the CTEM course. 100% worth taking it. Boom, baby. Thanks for the super chat and thanks for the kind words. I did put a lot of work into that CTEM course, George, so I'm glad you got value out of it. But if you want more value, go to panopsi.com. Ask Brandon how he can help your business kick butt today. Anti-Siphon Training, more about them at the mid-roll. For all those who are signed up for SOC Core Skills, you're in for an absolute delight this week. Uh, and we'll talk about that at the mid-roll. Now, every episode of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief, just like this one, episode 550, is worth a hashtag first timer, is worth a half a CPE. So say what's up in chat. Everybody, first timers, long timers, they get a half a CPE for this episode. Take a screenshot of chat. That's why it burned into the screen over there. And I want to say if it's your first time, like Todd Pearson, Todd, come on, Todd. What are you doing? Todd Pearson, first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Say hashtag first timer in chat so we can say hi to you. It's too late, Todd Pearson. The internet does not forget. Everybody, please welcome Todd Pearson, hashtag first timer in chat. Welcome to the party, pal. Yep, and if you're a long timer like Senfilis or Tim McDonald, Chris K, I'll say hashtag team SC in chat. Team SC, like, look at this guy right here. Team SC, bing, bang, boom. We're all one big happy family, one big community, hashtag team SC. But yeah, if you're a first timer, say what's up in chat so we can drop. There it is, Todd Pearson. We do enjoy dropping special sound effects and special emotes on our first timers. So go ahead. If you're a squad member, drop that love down on Todd Pearson's head. So what else are we doing here? I think that's it. Oh, it is Monday. Every single day of the week has a special segment. Uh, today's segment is uh, Simply Cyber Community Member of the Week. We've got a great one today. Uh, many of you know her. I'm excited to... Uh, showcase her or feature her uh for all the great sh that she's done for the community all right guys i feel like i missed something because i kind of ripped through that uh briefing uh intro a little fast but that's okay the good news is we got work to do so do me a favor sit back relax and let let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave i'll see you at the mid-roll from the CISO series it's cybersecurity headlines These are the cybersecurity headlines for Monday, February the 5th, 2024. I'm Steve Prentice. Cloudflare announces nation-state level breach. Hold on. Cloudflare may have announced nation-state level breach, but I'm announcing Lucas Streslik's first-timer from Poland. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Lucas, it's great to have you here. Cloudflare has stated that it was the target of a likely nation-state attack which involved the theft of credentials and which occurred between November 14th and 24th. The attackers spent four days viewing Atlassian Confluence and Jira portals and then created a rogue Atlassian user account to ultimately obtain access to the Bitbucket source code management system. 76 repositories are estimated to have been exfiltrated by the attacker. The attack was made possible by using one access token and three service account credentials associated with Amazon Web Service, Atlassian Bitbucket, MoveWorks, and Smartsheet that were stolen during the October 2023 hack of Okta's support case management system. Cloudflare acknowledged that it had failed to rotate these credentials, mistakenly assuming they were unused. Oh my God. 
bro. Okay, so a couple things here. There's really a lot of uh, there's really a lot of meat already on this bone to pick at. Uh, a little something for everybody here. Okay, so first of all, Cloudflare breach. Yeah, nation state um, for sure got source code internal docs. They had a key. Uh, they've got persistent. Not good. Uh, Cloudflare is, they do a lot of different things. Cloudflare, uh, you may know them as like a web app proxy service. Um, they kind of help deal with den uh, like distributed denial of service suppression, uh, all, all these things. So Cloudflare has got a lot of clients, a lot of sensitive information. You hope, you hope that they uh, have completely, you know, isolated this incident and quarantined it. Now, um, as a practitioner, I mean, all we can do is sit on the side and watch the, the dog sitting in the room saying, this is fine while it's on fire, but this is not good. Now, the second thing I want to point out here is this is completely unacceptable. I'm, I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. This is difficult, okay? But like when you have a compromise, you have to assume, unless you have evidence to support otherwise, and I mean, you have to have evidence that exactly spells out that this did not happen. You have to assume credentials have been compromised. You cannot, the fact that Cloudflare said, we didn't rotate the credentials because we assumed they didn't get compromised when the threat actors had access to them is completely ridiculous. That is, that is not acceptable. I mean, I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, I usually I have a pretty quick metaphor, but it's like, I don't even know. It's like saying like, uh, 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 I don't know. I, I, I'm sorry. My brain's foggy this morning. You like when, when credentials get cracked, you have, to, if someone gets in your email, right? If someone gets in your email, you have to assume they read your emails. You can't be like, well, they only read the first one, right? Like, like for example, right? So again, not my strongest metaphor analogy thing, but um, but not good. Now they did rotate five thousand uh, credentials. I don't know if that was after the fact or before the fact, but um, not really cool. You could see five thousand prod credentials segmented. Um, so this isn't a good. There, there probably will be some uh, blowback from this afterwards. I also want to point out they mentioned the Atlassian server had been compromised. We've covered this in the Daily Cyber Threat Brief uh, repeatedly when it came out that the Atlassian um, confluence had been uh, had a vulnerability and was being actively exploited. Now, I can't um, I can't really throw shade because it's possible that this nation state threat actor compromised Atlassian confluence prior to the patches coming out and the zero day notification and all that. So you can't throw shade on them there, but not like not rotating credentials because assuming it didn't get compromised is not really uh, cool. Uh, the next thing I want to point out, and this one's really, really interesting. You see right here where they say that um, the nation state threat actor uh, used sliver as part of their um, basically persistent mechanism. Okay. If you are a, um, if you are, well, really, if you're any professional looking to break in or you're an active professional, there's value here. If you go onto my uh, YouTube channel, there, I have a really popular um, video with Eric Capuano building a home lab. Eric laid out this really beautiful uh, blog post and I made a video step-by-step -step showing you how to do it. But the important thing is in that lab, 
we actually initiate and install and, and play with Sliver, the actual same framework that these nation state threat actors are using. So there's an opportunity here for you to leverage that lab, get in, play with Sliver, make detections for Sliver type um, capabilities, Sliver type behaviors. And then, you know, you can, in a job interview, or if you're like trying to impress your uh, SOC manager or something like that, or whoever, you're whatever, if you're trying to help your business, you could say, hey, like, you know, these nation state threat actors, the tools they're using, I've actually built out a lab using the same tools and have worked through detections on them. So there's a nice opportunity to essentially leverage this story for your own personal benefit, personal gain, personal self-development. So I would... Um, I, I would recommend that, but uh, not a good look, not a good look, Cloudflare. Again, you know, it, the crappy thing is I really don't know what kind of negative impact this happens to them. Cloudflare, like you and I aren't customers of Cloudflare. Customer, Cloudflare's customers are other businesses. So um, we'll see. So anyways, all right, let's keep going. AnyDesk says hackers breached production servers and reset passwords. The remote access application AnyDesk has confirmed a cyber attack that exposed its production systems and which resulted in the theft of source code and signing keys. No details about the theft of other data were revealed, but representatives from AnyDesk did confirm that ransomware was not involved. The company, quote, revoked security-related certificates and remediated or replaced systems as necessary. They also reassured customers that AnyDesk was safe to use and that there was no evidence of end-user devices being affected by the incident, end quote. All right, hold on. This isn't a good look, um, and I'll tell you in a second. Now, again, I don't prepare or research any of these stories, so usually I have some hot takes right off the rip, but this one uh, particularly I want... Uh, please grant me a moment while I get a little bit more detail here. Um, all right, so do 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 do. All right, so this is <laughs> all right. So here's the deal. AnyDesk. Okay. Oh boy. Here we go. This isn't this isn't a problem today. This is a problem in a month or a week or two two months. Okay. Oh my God. What is this? Why 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 are we like why are we zoomed in at level like seven thousand right now, bro? All right. So here's the deal. AnyDesk got its production servers breached. AnyDesk is a remote access solution, quite popular actually with Indian uh, call scam, uh, call center scammers. We saw a video with Pierogi on scammer bait, uh, bait scammer, scammer bait, baiter. Uh, John Hammond and uh, O'Day were on that video. And they did it at AnyDesk, very popular, right? Essentially you can install it and whether you're remoting into your parents computer you know down in florida so you can help troubleshoot something for them or you're an enterprise and you're working it and you use any desk to jump into your end users computers in order to troubleshoot that is the actual practical implementation and utility of any desk and they're very good at it now obviously remote access to endpoints is something that every hacker threat actor cyber criminal just absolutely salivates about and when you're doing the cyber kill chain persistence mechanisms, the ability to re-access uh, uh, a compromised device, that's like step five on the cyber kill chain. So if you can have any desk on there and basically jump to step five, that's a win-win for cyber criminals. Now, 
AnyDesk appropriately said, hey, no AnyDesk customer is impacted by this. We haven't seen anyone's devices getting popped. Threat actors aren't doing like a SolarWinds type move. And go look up SolarWinds Russia attack if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about. But like AnyDesk is saying like, you know, today, my, my, my company's AnyDesk implementation is fine. I'm not worried about my CEO's computer getting jumped into by your cyber criminal. This is all true. Here is the real impact. They stole the source code for AnyDesk. They stole signing certificates for AnyDesk. Now, those certificates have been revoked, so we don't have to worry about that. But to me, the long-term problem here is that if AnyDesk's source code has been compromised, if you know what you're doing and you are talented, then you can open up the source code and look at it for vulnerabilities. Normally, anybody could take an AnyDesk binary, the application, the EXE file, and put it in IDA and reverse it or Ghidra, if that's your speed, and reverse it. And essentially, you take a compiled application and you decompile it, right? And then you look at it in a decompiled version of assembly. Now, that version of decompiled assembly code is not the same exact thing that was initially developed by the developers at AnyDesk, right? Because the compiler looks for optimizations and all these other things. But it does enable you to look through and find you know, uh, vulnerabilities, hard-coded stuff, et cetera. Well, when you have the actual source code, you make it even easier to do that analysis. And frankly, with AI nowadays, you might even be able to dump it into AI and ask it, tell it, you know, lie to the AI chat GPT and say, hey, listen, I'm a developer. Here's my source code. Please identify any weaknesses that you see from a security perspective and have chat GPT do the heavy lifting for you. Then once you understand where those vulnerabilities are, you can exploit them. So to me, this isn't a problem today. This is a problem in a few weeks, a few months down the road when any desk has vulnerabilities, zero days that are beginning to get exploited. Okay. Again, let's put the tinfoil hat on. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying if I was going to place, if I was a threat actor, if I was a threat actor and I came into possession of source code of this, that's what I would do. Again, I say it on the channel all the time. I'm not here to educate people in cybercrime. You know, this isn't like threat actor, simply cyber threat actor edition, but it is, if we're going to think about what do we need to do from a threat landscape and where is the risk that we need to manage, we need to think about what is the most likely Occam's razor of what a threat actor is going to do with these ever flowing, ever fluid, ever dynamic things. And this is what I would do with that. So, you know, there you go. Chicago Children's Hospital announces a cyber attack. Officials at Lurie Children's Hospital, one of the largest children's healthcare organizations in the Midwest, serving 239,000 children each year, was forced to take its entire network offline on Thursday. This follows a similar incident at St. Anthony Hospital on Chicago's west side on December 18th. However, in this case, no ransomware group has stepped forward to make a claim, and the hospital has not made a statement about this being a ransomware attack. Lurie officials have emphasized that the hospital remained open during the attack and continues to provide care. New yeah, all right. So here's my thing, okay? This is unusual. Um, so... It's kind of a weird trend. I don't know if it's a it's a trend. Like I, I guess I'm monitoring it, but 
This hospital will not give any information on whether or not it was a ransomware attack. Fulton County, Georgia, uh, the entire like municipality got hit last week. They haven't come out and said what kind of attack it was, although it appears to be ransomware um, from, from the indicators I can see. So I don't know if there's like a trend going, but it's something I'm keeping an eye on. Now, as far as this goes, the fact that the, thre the threat actors haven't announced, the fact they haven't announced, the fact that it's a children's hospital, um, I wonder, I wonder, okay, if the threat actor, you know, you got to remember threat actors, they're really opportunistic, right? I mean, sometimes it's very targeted, right? Like nation state threat actors hitting Cloudflare, that is targeted. This Chicago hospital, probably opportunistic, right? I send out, I'm a, I'm a um, threat actor. I send out 500,000 phishing emails. 2% of people click on it. So now I got like, whatever, 10,000 or let's say 1,000 fishes that hooked. And uh, let's say 25 of them click through install malware and show up in my, um, my admin panel, right? So now I've got 25 victims from 25 different businesses, 25 different parts of the world. I've got to go research them. Maybe I, I detonate one and then I find out, oh crap, it's a children's hospital. That's really not, you know, threat actors are still human, right? And, you know, if they're getting paid by hitting a manufacturing plant in upstate South Carolina or, you know, anywhere like a, 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 a spa in Utah, right? It doesn't matter. But when they, they are people. So like if they hit a children's hospital, I think maybe they're like, uh, I don't know about that. Like, I'll just, you know, pass on this one. So I, I wonder if that's why they haven't announced on either side what's going on and if they're uh, basically, you know, just trying to recover. Even if the threat actors give you the keys, it, recovery is not, this isn't a video game. You don't push the reset button on the Nintendo Entertainment System 8-bit edition and just get the, the load screen again. No, when you're recovering from ransomware or from a cyber attack, you've got to hit the power button. You've got to undo all the cables and plug them back in. You got to take that cartridge out and blow on it, right? You know what I'm talking about, 80s kids, right? So, Anyways, that, that's what's up here. Um, obviously, this is uh, gross. There's a couple children's hospitals that have been hit recently, uh, which is, you know, just unfortunately disgusting. Um, so we'll keep an eye on it. Hospitals, hospitals are really, the final thing I'll say about this, if you've worked in a hospital, I have, if you've worked in a hospital, uh, you know how challenging it can be. I will say if you're looking for professional development and a really great opportunity to accelerate your career, like from a working one year, but getting like four years of experience, hospitals, healthcare, those are really great environments. They're incredibly challenging, but they're really, really complicated. So you're basically thrown into the fire. Leadership at U.S. Cyber Command and National Security Agency. Air Force General Timothy Hogg has now taken over command of these two agencies, previously overseen by Army General Paul Nakasone. After receiving high commendations for his leadership, General Nakasone then recognized General Hogg as the, quote, perfect person for the job. General Hogg most recently served as Cyber Command's number two and the head of the Air Force's Digital and Information Warfare Branch. He has also served in numerous senior roles at Cyber Command. All right. So, I mean, this is cool. I mean, this doesn't really uh, impact us at all. This guy, General Hogg, uh, by the way, cool name. 
Uh, he's taken over Gen General Nakasomi, who'd been in command of Cyber Command for a few years. First of all, I love, I, I didn't serve in the military, but I, you know, I've, I've been close to it. Um, I did work at the Pentagon for a minute. Big Marine Corps family. Um, I love that it's like, you know, I think it's an army guy getting replaced by an Air Force guy. So it's really best of breed. It's not, it, it's not, um, uh, I don't want to call it like, it's best of breed, not homogeneous or, um, you know, um, like sticking to army just because it's army. Um, this guy, number two, he was number two. I love that the uh, military, especially with cyber command, because it's near and dear to my heart. I love that they have succession planning. This guy, General Hogg, sounds like a um, like a dynamite candidate. Perfect for the job. He's been he's been doing it basically, and he's um, a legend, kind of in you know the ability to lead uh, cyber capabilities and stuff like that. So, way to go! I got to tell you, after watching that um, parts of that uh, congressional uh, hearing with Jen Easterly and FBI Director uh, Chris Ray, and just kind of the state of things in 2024 from a cyber capability, we need. We need these guys uh, kicking butt and leading the charge, and uh, frankly, strong um, a strong uh, cyber capability uh, in this you know kind of modern ecosystem. Again, I don't think that this impacts me and you very much in any way. Like we're not going to uh, we're not going to like do anything different tomorrow or today. But it is it's just good to know. Like good to know, good people are in, are in powerful positions. If you ever worked up at the fort. Um, there you go. You know what's up. So to all the NSA, TAO people who are chilling, you know, I don't know if you can comment on this, but if anyone is from that space and uh, has thoughts, uh, please drop them in chat. Okay. And obviously TLP clear, like this is a public stream. So, all right. And now a word from our sponsor, Vanta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To learn more, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. Here we go for the mid-roll. It looks like the baton holder is not in chat. So if you want the baton, uh, please say something. Let's go to the mid-roll. Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. So good. So good. Hey, what's up, everybody? Much love. Hold on. That's that's not right. Hold on one second. All right. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the crap out of the show. I certainly am. If you're getting value, entertainment, educational value, any value, just a good time value, do me a favor. Hit that like button if you're on YouTube, simply because it goes a long way to uh, triggering the algorithm to get other people who are interested in cybersecurity to find out about the show, join the community and start networking with all of us. So it's all about good times. You may have actually found the show because we did this at some point right before you found us. So pay it forward, get, get on it. 
I want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors. As always, Barricade Cyber and Panopsi. Love it, love it, love it. Guys, I want to tell you about Anti-Siphon Training, our show's third sponsor. Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing cutting-edge, high-quality education to everyone. Everyone. We're all about inclusion here, right, guys, on Simply Cyber? Team SC is all about inclusion, and they are super inclusive, including giving training regardless of financial position. They offer their students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught, and really engage with the community in a fun, inclusive way. If you've taken active defense cyber deception last week, you know what I'm talking about. This week, it's probably too late to sign up, but if you're taking the SOC core skills with John Strand starting today, holler in chat, let us know. I would love to know it. And if they ask you how you found out, please shout from the rooftop, Simply Cyber. Would love, love it. I love Black Hills Information Security and Anti-Siphon and all the people over there. Uh, so just uh, great community. Hopefully you guys enjoy the SOC core skills and hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, Active Defense Cyber Deception. Now, I want to say really quickly, James McQuiggan with 10 squad members. Thanks so much, James. We just best friends. Yep. Very much appreciate it. For the new squad members, welcome to the party, pal. I got to just tell you really quickly, stay tuned for the end, Jaw Jack, and I'll be gifting out some subs now that I got some more. Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is awesome. Let me tell you about it really quickly. If you're interested in leveling up your professional network and building one really strong and really quickly, go over to LinkedIn, search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, comment on the posts that you find and connect with the posters and the peoples in comments. So that's an active act, right? You spend five minutes doing that. The next person who comes through and connects on the posts and the commenters will connect with you. Spend five minutes a day and build your professional network. You're gonna love it. If you want the baton, it looks like Kelvin, Kelvin Saitoto, Saitoti uh, had the baton, did not use it. So we've got a gap here. We need someone to pick up the baton. It looks like Kelvin dropped it. We need someone to pick up the baton. Go on to LinkedIn, share your story, hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, and let's let it go. All right, guys. Hey, I want to tell you really quickly. Every single Monday, we have one featured member of the community. Someone who's been part of the Simply Cyber community adds value networks. I want to introduce you all to Christina Paulica. I know many of you know Christina. She's awesome. She's been with the community for years now. Um, and she has she contributes in chat all the time. But she's also um, helped coordinate the Las Vegas uh, DEF CON meetup. She's also responsible uh, for making the Simply Cyber books. Um, if you guys know about the simplycyber.io books uh, thing, that was her idea. Let me pull it up really quickly. Like if you've gotten value from this thing, this is Christina. She's the one doing it. So shout out to Christina if she's in chat. Thank you so very much. Appreciate it. As always, uh, keep it going. All right, guys, let's get back into the news, shall we? And let's do this. All right, let me hold on. I gotta do this. There we go. That, and then do this. Spoutable suffers data theft. The social media platform, which is one of the many seeking to replace X, formerly known as Twitter, announced the theft after having been alerted by Have I Been Pwned Found. Oh, that's right. Actually, Kimberly can fix it. Thank you, Kimberly. Uh, Christina was involved with Simply CyberCon, too. That's my thing. Um, She's done so many different things. I couldn't even remember them all. 
but yeah, uh, just amazing uh, Simply Cyber community member. And I wanted to bring everyone's attention to how awesome she is. Troy Hunt. An announcement was made by Spoutable founder Christopher Boozy that points to a vulnerability in the Spoutable system that was inadvertently introduced in a recent update. In a statement, Boozy said, quote, an unnamed individual exploited the vulnerability to scrape limited personal data from our users. This vulnerability did not involve direct access to our databases, and decrypted passwords and direct messages were not disclosed. End quote. Mastodon. All right. So, you know, it's another day, another, you know, <laughs> improperly secured API. Um, yeah, we saw Trello got pecked, uh, picked apart the other day uh, because of an API breach. Uh, this one right here looks like... Um, here's the thing. With an API, if you don't set limits on it, if you don't require... Um, you know, checking on it, if you don't secure it properly, people can just enumerate. You write a script, you pull, and you just enumerate over all the instances and collect all the data. Um, let me see, what was it returning? So you would get the username, the first, last, and the about. And then, so you would get public information, but you would also get a verified phone number, an email address, and an IP address. That's not good, okay? So, what else you get? The password? No. What is this? A bcrypt version of the password? So, I don't know much about bcrypt, so I don't know if you can do anything with that. Anyone in chat know if you can do something with a bcrypt password? I suppose if you had a rainbow table, it would be easy to crack. Um, if you're using Spoutable, what I would say is, you know, just as a uh, matter of caution, uh, change your password. Hopefully you're using a, a password manager, so you only have to change it in one place. Um, your phone number, I, it's super uh, inconvenient to change your phone number, so that really sucks. Um, for most people, I would say you're just going to continue to get like spammy phone calls, spammy text messages. If you are some type of uh, VIP you know, there could be spear phishing attacks, SIM swapping attacks. If you start moving into that space, um, you know, just something to be mindful of. But to me, the, the real thought here is uh, this is around the impact of improper API security. Like that's what this story really is for a takeaway for me and you, right? I don't use Spoutable, so I'm in the clear. But, you know, if I'm working in a tech startup or I'm, I'm leveraging any solution that has APIs, uh, got to be mindful of that. If I'm a security researcher listening to this story, it's a good little case study on, um, you know, how API hacking could result in security research, how it could result in vulnerability discovery, potentially. Um, I mean, these aren't really CVEs, but it's not, it's not good. This isn't. I haven't even heard of Spoutable. So the first time I hear about Spoutable is a data breach because of uh, leaky APIs. That's really not a good look for uh, for anyone. Uh, Travis Connor says he'll take the baton. Travis Connor, you got the baton, my friend. Let's go. Horns of account takeover flaw. Tracked as CVE 2024-23832 with a CVSS score of 9.4. This flaw would allow threat actors to impersonate and take over any account in the Mastodon decentralized network. The company stated in an advisory that the problem is caused by insufficient origin validation. 
Mastodon will release technical details about the vulnerability after February 15th in order to update their server instances without revealing details that could prompt massive exploitation in the wild. The numerous versions of Mastodon that are affected are listed in the show notes to this episode. All right. So this is a kind of a, well, not kind of, this is a big issue, right? If you can basically take over any account, that's a hot mess express. Uh, Because I want to call your attention, like I have a Mastodon account, uh, but like, okay. If, but if you could take over admin accounts, right now, now we're talking, right? Like it just, again, here's my first thing as a threat actor. I immediately go to like some reputable server, take over the admin account and then post about some crypto scam or some NFT scam or, or you know, or whatever scam, right? I mean, basically um, you could leverage, um, you know, the trust that that account has to execute fraud. Also, I mean, if you were a real pecker, you could uh, log in and then bring the server down, denial of service. You could go in and wipe, like steal everything and then wipe it uh, and hold it for ransom. So there's a couple of different things you can do with these more privileged uh, access accounts. Now, the one thing I don't get, um, the one thing I don't get is, is this, when they say the versions of Mastodon, again, please, people in chat, help me out on this one. When they say the versions of Mastodon that are vulnerable, are they talking about the server? Like, because Mastodon is a decentralized social media platform, right? So, like, basically, it's not like one Twitter where everybody's on the same platform. There's like InfoSec Exchange is the Mastodon server I'm on, but I know there's other InfoSec servers, right? So, you, it's almost like Discord kind of, right? Where like you have your own server, uh, but they're all kind of part of the same Mastodon ecosystem. So when they say this version, I don't understand personally if these are the servers on the back end. I don't know if this is something that I can do anything about, or is this something that the server admins have to do? And is there any way um, for me as a user of infosec.exchange to know what version of that server is running? Um, Again, I feel like I'm giving you guys more questions than answers, which kind of sucks. That's not what I like to do on this channel or on this uh, this show. I'm here briefing you, not trying to get educated. Um, but if you're using Mastodon, be on the lookout, be on the mind. Um, there's nothing you can do. Multi-factor authentication, strong passwords, doesn't matter. This has nothing to do. This is like an authentication bypass that will allow account takeover. So <laughs> basically... You know, uh, make like I I don't know what to do, but all you can do is basically, you know, get under your desk, put your hands over your head, or tighten your lap belt and put your head between your knees, like like, and both of those, and that was like a 1950s atom bomb K through 12 school response where you get under your desk and hope that you know you, like radiation fallout doesn't come swiping through the school or. If you're uh, experiencing turbulence um, or forced landing on an airplane, you know, like the little guide in front of you in the seat back says, put your head between your legs. That's that's basically all you can do here, right? This is you're 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 impacted, but you can't really do anything to fix it. So uh, Tom Bishop says, delete the account. I mean, that would that would solve the problem for sure. You can't have an account takeover if the account is deleted. That is a um, I mean, that's a pretty extreme response, uh, especially if you've built up a Mastodon account or you like being on the platform. 
Uh, that's a risk-based personal decision where you got to decide if you're going to basically try to, you know, be like a palm tree in a hurricane and just kind of weather the storm and hope you don't get uprooted. But Civilians in Jordan infected by NSO's Pegasus spyware. A joint report released by Digital Rights Association Access Now. All right, hydrogen bombs don't have fallout. Agreed. Agreed. I guess you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. And Toronto-based Cybersecurity Association Citizen Lab says that, quote, the phones of some three dozen journalists, human rights advocates, and lawyers in Jordan were infected with Pegasus spyware, end quote. According to the record, quote, while the report suggests the Jordan authorities are behind the campaign, the authors stop short of saying so directly, end quote. The record goes on to note that a previous Citizen Lab report had confirmed that two organizations in Jordan were Pegasus spyware customers. Pegasus is a form of zero-click spyware, meaning victims do not click on anything to become infected. Finance. It's been a minute since we had a Pegasus uh, spyware story, but here's the deal. I mean, this is <laughs> this is what we talk about all the time. Um, Pegasus, if you don't know, you should know. Pegasus is a zero-click uh, mobile. Uh, I think it's for Apple only, but uh, it's a mobile um, phone, uh, like complete takeover malware. It basically allows zero-click, meaning I can send it to you and you're infected. You can't stop it from being received, right? So if basically, if somebody wants to own your phone, they will just own it. There's nothing you can do about it, okay? There, on iPhones, I think that there's a um, like an elevated lockdown mode you can put your phone in that Apple introduced kind of to combat this. I don't, I, I don't know enough about whether or not that prevents infection, but I have heard that it it does greatly limit the functionality of the phone, so a lot of people aren't into it. Um, okay, so Pegasus is built for iPhone, so perfect. Thank you. Um, so here's the deal. It's supposed to be for law enforcement and for righteous purposes only. NSO Group, the author of Pegasus, you know, says like, oh, we only sell it to good guys. Okay. Well, here's another... I mean, well, there's a couple of things here. One, first of all, money talks. Great cash, homie. Money talks, right? So... At some point, if if they're throwing, if someone's throwing like five million dollars at you and says, "We want here's five million dollars. We want you to infect this person," you might turn a blind eye, right? Because everybody's got a price. Second of all, it's not unrealistic for a country to say, "We're going to use it for good intentions. Please sell it to us." And then peg it's not NSO's group's um, responsibility to you know oversee and manage and 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 you know have some type of independent validation of how it's being used by their clients, right? They have to take their clients on their work. So it could be, you know, a wink, wink, nod, nod thing. The TLDR here is that uh, uh, governments in power, right? Or, or authoritative regimes or whatever, anyone with authority or power is using it on investigative journalists. Typically, investigative journalists are trying to unroot or uncover or make public corruption, uh, conflicts of interest, um, you know, bad behavior, criminal activity, et cetera, all those things, right? So obviously, if you're the one doing the bad, you would like to suppress that awareness, that notification. And the easiest way to do that, well, not the easiest way, there's an even more nefarious, easy way to do it, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's hyper illegal. 
Um, but one easy way to do it is to infect the journalists' phones, find out who they're talking to, so you can you know round those people up and really get your arms around the uh, corpus of people who are involved in uncovering the the bad. Um, but obviously. <laughs> Infecting journalists is not a good look. Infecting your political rivals is not a good look. Um, here we go. So I don't know what they're doing, but this is just more of Pegasus doing Pegasus things. Can't really stop it. The only thing I would say is if I was an investigative journalist, if you are a um if you are responsible for VIPs or whatever, I get that it's difficult, but like burner phones. Burner phones, right? Like that's the TLDR, right? Use burner phones, rotate them, make it make it so like basically if your phone gets infected, it's only you're only compromised for a set period of time, one day, one week, whatever. Um, you're just reducing the risk. You're not eliminating the risk, um, and it makes it more difficult, right, to to manage because now you're going to have to have have a different phone number every time, et cetera. Worker pays out $25 million after video call with deepfaked CFO. Yes. An employee of an unnamed Hong Kong-based multinational firm wired $25 million to cyber criminals who had used deepfake technology to impersonate all the members of a company video conference call. Initially, the unnamed employee had grown suspicious after receiving a message from the CFO which mentioned a secret transaction that had to be carried out. However, when the employees saw a group of people on the call with the CFO, it became convincing enough for this person to carry out the transaction. However, all of those people on that call were also fake. Do All right. It's a lot of work, but dude, 25 million reasons why. Great cash, homie. Threat actors would do this. Guys, business email compromise is a sleepy, serious threat. Okay, first of all. Business email compromise is where you convince a business to just, you know, basically wire money out of the business. Okay. Now, traditionally, it's been an email, it's been intercepted invoices, it's been a text message, but deep fake technology, I, again, like I'm not some hot take Magoo over here. Uh, I'm not Scoops McGee uh, throwing out hot takes. But, but like other professionals in the industry, I called this. Like, there's no way you wouldn't leverage it for fraud. And if your business email compromise workaround for combating this threat is to get, you know, verbal and visual confirmation that this is, in fact, a legitimate request, Deepfakes has got that, you know, like Deepfakes is going to address that, right? This is why we talk about um, the cat and mouse game of attacker and defender, right? So you're like, hey, like, don't authorize any money unless you see me selling you, right? It's like, okay. And then to add to the social proof, they had actually deep faked the entire like CEO, COO, CIO, like they're all there, like nodding. What What is a finance analyst supposed to do? Like touch the CFO, like physically be in the same place for him? Honestly, I, I've been a big uh, a proponent of like continuing to work from, uh, work from home, work remotely. This is one good argument, like why return to office, at least for the finance people, is a decent uh, call. The only way, like, so this sucks. Now, the only way to combat this, I would argue, again, it introduces friction 
But if it were me, if it were me, the one thing that I would do is introduce like a, a, a safe word, right? Like, and we're not talking uh, adult uh, fun time here, safe word. We're talking a, 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 like a keyword or safe word or something like that. So you're like, if you ask for anything over $1 million, right? Or you ask for anything over $500,000, you have to, you have to say the word like banana pudding or, you know, flim flam, you know, ding, dingy ding or whatever, or like Bodie McBoat face, like something so ridiculous that it would make no sense in the conversation, but it is a validation that you are in fact speaking to the person that you're speaking to, right? Or, or some out of band thing, right? So if you ask her something over a call, then you need to like uh, receive a text message with the keyword or whatever, right? Or, or even better, again, I'm like troubleshooting this on the way. Like, um, like when you request it, I send you a message. Like, uh, you know, I send you a text that says pineapple and the CFO responds with pizza, pineapple pizza, right? Just something like that. Some type of some type of validation that the threat actors would not know generically. Okay. Yeah. James McQuiggan says chain of approvals. I agree. But James, if there was a chain of approvals, this threat actor had the COO and CEO and other executives on the call also deep faked. So like, you know, that I feel like I love you, James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet, but I feel like that actually won't address the problem. Cause you could be like, all right, chain of command says the CEO has to approve. And then like, the CEO enters the chat and is like, I approve this. And you're like, all right, done. We did it. So uh, watch for more deep fakes. Um, I'm absolutely, absolutely flagging this story and putting it in my um, my slide decks that I do for businesses and stuff because this is uh, pretty, pretty gnarly, pretty gross. You like cybersecurity playing games, and looking forward to the end of the week? Well All right. Looks like we have reached the end of the show really quickly. Uh, kind of crazy. That was a quick one. Let's do this really quickly. <laughs> Guys, if you were here just for the news, before you go, I'd like to remind everybody that this Thursday, February 8th, this Thursday, four days from now, Jack Recider, the host and creator of Darknet Diaries, in my opinion, the the best podcast on the internet. Like I, I had to think about that because that's a very big statement, but I got, I, I really do think it's definitely the number one podcast in cybersecurity. There's no question about that, but I would argue it's the best podcast on the internet. He's going to come on as my guest this Thursday. I'm super pumped. So if you want to um, shower uh, Jack with some questions and some loves, uh, come on down. It's all about good times. It's all about community. I love it. Uh, let's see really quickly. Yep. And if you were here just for the news, please, uh, um, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time. Come on over. It's going to be good. We got 470 people here. Excellent. 480. All right. Hey, really quick before you go, um, I'm actually going to switch over to jaw jacking and hand out uh, some gifted subs every month. Yahoo. Uh, Yahoo. Y YouTube. James McQuiggan just like buffer overflowed my mind with the word Wahoo. Um, Yes, Security Masterminds is good. All right. Oh, Chris Young. Chris Young, please, you you are in for a treat, my friend. It is extraordinary. 
All right, Linda Smith, have a great Monday. Guys, if you were here just for the news, that's good. Otherwise, I'll see you over at Jaw Jacking in a minute. Holla, holla, holla. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jacking. I'm your host, Jerry Guy. Just kicking it old school. Listen to some smooth jazz or smooth jams, whatever. Just having a good time, being fun. Uh, we'll do some uh, AMA action. That's what jaw jacking is if it's your first time here. We just hang out for a little bit. You know, I am I, I just did the Daily Cyber Threat Brief, but I'm also a member of the community, so I like hanging out too. Um, hope everything is uh, good for everybody. Solid weekend. I did work all weekend. I got to tell you guys, uh, literally, I worked um, the last three weekends, Saturday and Sunday, probably six hours a day um, to finish Cyber 101. It is officially done. It's done, done. It's done, done. Um, I'm just waiting back for a, um, I put together like a hype video, promo video. I'm just waiting for it to come back from the editors. And then this baby is going to launch. Check it out. Hey, really quickly. I can do membership gifting. Boom. Here's some gifted subs. Thank you so very much. Thank you so very much, members, squad members, community members. Love it. Love it. Love it. So happy to have you here. If you are a uh, squad member, uh, please dip into the emote tray and uh, giddy up on that. Boom, 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 boom. The old Oprah emote. Love it. Uh, so Chris Whitlock asks if I hung up the silver play button from YouTube. No, I haven't yet. So, uh, I'll tell you, like it's in my house right now. It will be, um, it will be hung up in the studio, but right now it's, it's, <laughs> I'm going to be sound like such a baby, but, um, it's cold right now. It's like in the, <laughs> it's in the fifties. I grew up in new England. Like I used to drive in snow. Now it's like 50 and I'm like, Ooh, it's chilly. Um, but Basically, this wall over here is going to have a treatment applied to it, this thing called French cleating, uh, so I can have like an interesting back wall and the ability to put shelves on. So until that French cleating situation gets stood up, um, I, don't, I don't have anywhere to put the YouTube play button, and I don't want to just put it on the wall over there. Um, so yeah, Chris Young, the neon Simply Cyber sign is also pending getting hung up. Um, it's just, that basically is the final thing that needs to happen. <laughs> Rex with the, uh, Monty Python stories. That's good. Uh, Darius Cater asking for a GRC masterclass update. Potentially, potentially, uh, we'll see. Like, um, you gotta, here's the thing with the GRC masterclass, uh, you know, GRC is always, uh, moving and stuff in its current position. I've granted uh, indefinite access to the GRC analyst masterclass, which is great. So people can always go back and review it, but it becomes challenging to, if I focus all my energy and efforts onto maintaining and keeping the GRC analyst masterclass, um, updated, um, it's kind of hard. Cause I, you know, I, I do have, um, I, I have to do projects that, um, align with the business. So, um, I will probably go back and make some tweaks. I'm not looking to do a major overhaul. If I do a major overhaul, I'll have to release it as a separate, uh, course. 
So th that's the struggle. In fact, just so everyone knows, it's it's the reason. It's literally the reason why Cyber One Hundred and One is going to have a six month window on it. Um, just so you guys know. Also, really quickly, when the Cyber One Hundred and One does launch this week, I am trying to be abundantly transparent that um, when you buy it, you get six months. And the labs, you get 60 minutes of lab time per day, which is more than enough to do any of the labs. You could actually knock out a couple in 60 minutes. But um, if anyone um, has any feedback, if you end up purchasing Cyber 101 um, and you have feedback, I, I like Allison Van Stone, uh, I haven't seen her in a minute, but um, you know she works in marketing and she, she had talked to me at one point about you know, being very clear about everything. And and I really appreciated her comments on that. So with Cyber 101, I don't want anyone to be deceived or not know. I'm not doing like size four font in the very bottom about like limitations. I'm trying to be overtly transparent with everybody. Okay. Some questions coming in. <laughs> Rex with the airspeed. That's good. Um, Logan Fuller over on uh, LinkedIn must be a fellow... Pats fan. Yes, I am Logan. Yes, I am Logan. Also, Logan, I know it's not your responsibility to maintain these, but someone watched the um, the YouTube video we did and had a question about, uh, it was like a very deep question about going through the SANS program. Um, so it, it, again, it's not on you to go back and answer those, but just to let you know. Um, will there be another SOC core skills course soon? Uh, probably not, Ryan. So unfortunately... Um, not unfortunately, but like anti-siphon training, John Strand, John Strand does the SOC core skills. You could take it for free. He typically does it a couple times a year, but you've got to remember John Strand runs like several businesses. He he's, he's pulled in, he runs like one of the, my favorite conferences. Like there's a lot John Strand's doing. So to give a week for, um, teaching a course, is a big commitment. So he only does it a few times a year, which is why, honestly, it's why I was pushing so hard the last probably three weeks, letting everyone know because it's, you know, too late, too late's the cry when the man with the bargains has passed you by. So uh, definitely keep your eyes open, um, Ryan Scott. And, you know, I will, next time I know about an anti-siphon training, pay what you can with John Strand, I will be dropping so much um, awareness of it. Chris Whitlock says May 20th. Chris, are you talking about, um, Chris Whitlock, are you talking about SOC core skills? Let me know. Let me know. So, uh, Tim McDonald says, what is the cost of cyber one-on-one? Good question, Tim. After doing some, you know, exercises and evaluating the, the course and everything, uh, brass tax, it will be 497 for the course. 497. I also have a $1,050 option that is called the I'm expensing this option. And it's literally, it's the same course as the 497 one. It's just, if you're going to expense it to your business and you're like, <laughs> who cares? Um, then it's an opportunity. Um, I will be um, not doing official scholarships, but I will be gifting out um, access to the course to, in different ways. Um, details to follow on that. Let's see what else we got here. Okay, so hey Ryan Scott, it sounds like May 20th 
May 20th is the next Sock Core Skills. I, typically, you don't see um, them posted out that in advance, so I love it, though. That's good. Gina Ghani says, hey, Jerry, is there any document like the NIST 853 that lists all the controls and the industry best practices like AC7, unsuccessful login attempts, five, three times enforcement requirement? So, okay, so industry best standards. Um, no, there really isn't. I Maybe, hold on one second. So really quickly, uh, Gina's question. Did I say that right? Is it Gina? Hold on, is it Gina? Yeah. So Gina's question here, let me, let me answer this. So in NIST 853, one of the things that can confuse people is that they put in brackets, organization defined value for a lot of things, right? So like her, to her point, AC7, uh, how, how many, how many failed login attempts until you lock the account out? Well, maybe if you work in retail or you have like an online store, maybe you set it to 15 attempts for low privileged accounts and five attempts for admin accounts. But let's say you work at the NSA and you set it to two failed login attempts for an admin account, right? So organizationally, it it, it really depends because it's a risk-based decision for the different industries. Now, Gina's specific question is, is there documented standards for best practices, right? So I work in manufacturing. I'm just coming into this situation. I find out that they have no account lockout set or they, you know, they have um, four character password length minimum, and that's gross. But do I need to make it twelve characters, thirty characters, two hundred characters, etc.? So it does not say that in NIST eight hundred fifty three. But I do want to see really quickly. CIS. So here you can't see this. CIS benchmarks. This is more around configuration management. Um. This is around secure configuration, but I think there might be it there might be some in here, okay? So, I'll drop a link in chat. Gina, this could be worth looking at. Josh Mason saying um Josh is saying the secure controls framework. Secure controls uh, Josh, give me a link to that. Um Give me a link to that. All right, so really quickly, um, I'm getting asked here more about Cyber 101. Okay, so here is, here's what it's gonna look like, okay? Really, this is just a quick little explanation on Cyber 101. It's a fundamental course for career advancement. You know, obviously it's by me. Here's a bunch of testimonials from people who have already taken it. We had beta testers. Now here is the actual course composition and who, who I'm trying to help here, okay? Here, here is kind of the intro thing. A lot of people are like, oh, I want to work in cybersecurity. And you're like, well, okay, what do you want to do? And they're like, I don't know. And then they start going down all these rabbit holes of like, oh, I'll just do try hack me. And now you're like, you're like learning a lot of skills, but they're kind of pointed, right? You you don't have like you're not building on a foundation. You don't have an inch deep, like you don't have the visibility of what the actual industry is and kind of all the different things. You're like literally just jumping in and ordering like a, um, a very specific thing off the menu. So what I did is I've built this course. It is a college level course and I'll run through it really quickly. Okay. So first stop, who am I? What's the labs? What can you expect out of this? I actually have these um, public previews so you can actually watch these right now. Then I 
I explain more about the industry. So like, I actually really like this one. I, I break down 20 different jobs in the industry. I talk about the different roles in the industry, why cyber even exists. Then I do a tech primer, right? Networking, operating systems, cloud, software, all the things that you need to know from an IT perspective. Again, this is a crash course. When I got my computer science uh, bachelor's degree, I spent a whole semester on operating systems. I spent a whole semester on networking. I spent four semesters on software, okay? So like this, this is in like an introductory crash course to tell you what you need to know uh, to, to move on in the course. Then a people primer. Then I do the entire threat actor workflow, everything you need to know about that. Recon, exploitation, persistence, privilege escalation. Then committing fraud. You know, I'm always talking about how to how threat actors are threat acting. Here you go. Here's a whole thing. Nick Barker, this is the lab step-by-step step, the lab of the only video I've ever had ripped off of uh, YouTube for community violations, denial of service attacks, everything you'd want to know about malware, everything about uh, security technology. So if you're going to go work in a business, you're definitely going to need to know firewalls, EDR, MDM, security gateways, attack emulation, SIMs. So there you go. I did a whole video lecture on all of those, everything you need to know. Uh, committing espionage. You know I've got to throw some love to my GRC peeps. So I got a whole module on GRC. We got some crypto uh, vulnerability management. This goes beyond my CTEM course that I did. And then, of course, uh, cyber warfare, because it's so germane. I, I have a whole lecture on the Russian-Ukrainian cyber conflict, 20 minutes. And then, like, the GRC course, I find it imperative. If I'm going to teach you all these things about cybersecurity, it is my... It is my obligation to tell you how to actually parlay it into a career in cybersecurity. So here's the conferences you want to go to and how, here's how you network. Here's the certs that actually matter. I get asked about certs all the time. This right here, this answers it all. And then obviously the power of LinkedIn and how to leverage it. And then I actually have a lab step-by-step -step to make your LinkedIn profile kick butt. So that's Cyber 101. Anyone can take it, but honestly, in my mind, the ideal um, student is somebody who's wanting to pivot into cybersecurity and is just overwhelmed by what the hell, where do I even start? Like, what do I do? This course, it's 22 hours. It's also got 22 uh, CPEs or uh, continuing education units. When you finish this course, you'll have a very solid understanding of the entire, you know, what we're doing here in cybersecurity, right? So hopefully that answers your question. Um, all right, so going back, uh, security controls framework uh, to answer Gina's question. This looks good right here. This is coming from Josh Mason right now. Um, I'll drop a link in chat. If you're looking for best practice defined values, then uh, come check this out. All right. Also, if you want to know more about the Simply Cyber uh, 101. Again, I'm not, I wasn't prepared to launch it today, but you can go to simplycyber.io slash cyber 101 and learn more about it. Again, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not launching it today. <laughs> like, I mean, it, you can, it's available, it's out there, but I'm going to have like a formal launch. Okay. What other questions we got guys? Would love to share the 101 class to our networks. Would you want it to slow launch where you wait for feedback from the first round of customers or can we just get ham sharing it when it's released? Thanks, Christina. I appreciate that. Um, 
what I would say is if, if it's okay with you, I actually had a, a set of beta testers go through it. I did address a lot of their feedback. Um, what I was going to do was uh, like soft launch it on Wednesday this week and get some initial feedback. Um, if you wait, Christina, what I will do is I'll actually put together some like, you know, collateral or assets or whatever to make it easy to share. I know you won't have a problem sharing, but um, yeah, I, I think honestly, I, the more I think about it, I don't even think I need a round of customers to go through it because I, I literally have put a lot of work into it to, to, to try to make sure that it's it's tight, right? Like I, I wanted it to be high quality. Um, so yeah, Christina, having thought about it, um, if you'd like to share with your networks, uh, w please wait until I officially launch it. Uh, but after that, we can let it go. The, the one thing, the one thing I want to be crystal clear about is the six months of access and the 60 minutes a day of lab time. Cause I don't want to mislead anyone. I certainly don't want anyone to feel like I tricked them. And I don't want anyone in six months to be like, Ooh, like I put it in like bold bread font on the sales page, which I know marketing people are like horrified by, but dude, like, what are we doing here? All right. Hey, pursuit of bliss. Have a good one. <laughs> right. Uh, Valentino's in here. Launch party, Justin Rohr. Yep. Also, Hey, Christina, thanks for the question. Thanks for being the, uh, uh, Simply Cyber community member uh, featured for the week. Hopefully you, you didn't mind. Um, yeah, Chris Whitlock was a beta tester. Thanks, Chris. He went through it. I, I'm excited for it, guys. I'm excited. Uh, like, let me show you another kind of cool thing. Um, here's another cool thing. I don't know if you guys know this, but like literally I built... Josh Mason and I built uh, the Cyber 101 labs. So like there's there's a couple labs that are not inside of Try Hack Me, but like this is a full Try Hack Me like lab built for in Try Hack Me, right? Leveraging their infrastructure. So you don't even need to build out labs and infrastructure and all that stuff. It's pretty dope. I'm excited about it. I'm telling you, guys, when I tell you I put a lot of work into this, like I put a lot of work into this. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. A lot of work. Starting week six was invited to start joining purple team meetings. Oh, this is an update from Lazaro. Lazaro uh, shared his getting a, a job in cybersecurity experience from interviews to landing the job. Here's an update. Thank you, Lazaro. I love uh, keeping an eye on you. Uh, he was invited to start joining purple team meetings. What questions should I bring up during them? Or what should I focus on if the boss wants me to eventually purple team? Oh, very good. Um, hmm. I guess if you were going to purple team, it, the questions I might ask is, um, it, well, first of all, it, Lazaro, that's awesome. Congratulations. Second of all, it's a little tricky for me to provide like really good questions because I don't know your business or where you are and stuff. But from a purple team perspective, uh, you may want to bring up things like like these, like these larger issues, um, like um, like how Atlassian was popped, and then they used the um, Sliver framework. Like as a purple teamer, you might want to say, "Hey, have we? What do what we like? It might be worth investigating uh, post exploitation frameworks like Sliver, like Cobalt Strike, like um, oh my god." Um, Empire, PowerShell Empire. 
right? Now, Cobalt Strike, you'll have to pay for it, but Sliver in, in, in uh, PowerShell um, Empire, you can download and use for free. So that could be like a really interesting way to say, hey, listen, I saw in the news today, February 5th, that nation state threat actors are using Sliver. What have we done for executing Sliver in our environment? Do our controls detect it? It might be worth looking at, right? There you go. There, I mean, you could you could have a whole um, three-month project plan just on different Sliver uh, detections and stuff like that. I mean, that's one idea. Let's see. Um, I saw a question come in here from Chris Young. Can we buy more time beyond an hour if we wanted to review more than a couple of labs in a day? Yes. So... The, the, the restriction for the one hour on the Try Hack Me Labs is because it's basically the, the free tier account. If you have a Try Hack Me premium account, you can get access um, all day on the platform. I was trying to work with Try Hack Me to offer a premium membership to students in the Simply Cyber course. Another reason why I had um, um, capped the course at a six month um, you know, ownership or whatever access. But try hack me. They're, they're unfortunately like they're so big now that it's really difficult. Like I had a meeting with like a guy on their sales team, and it took him like a week to get back to me. And he, all he said was he talked to his boss, and his boss wanted to talk to me. So then we spent like a week trying to like get on calendars, and it didn't work. And I just so yeah, if you have a premium membership to try hack me, go for it. Uh, but I can't promise that to anyone, and I I'm not I can't. I wasn't going to like stick a referral code in my course to get, you know what I mean? Like I just plus, plus again, I don't want people to feel like, Oh, I bought this course and now I have to spend $14 a month on top of that for try hack me that this, this feels wrong. I feel like this was a bad, um, experience, Jerry. Like I'm not into that. So I just, that's what I did. Hopefully that's clear for everybody. Um, uh, thank you. APT29 is one of them and MITRE is our primary framework. Very cool. Yeah. So Lazaro, that's perfect. There you go. Hey, I mean, you know what, Lazaro, even thinking about this, like a way to like kind of deliver value right off the rip might be instead of making suggestions on what techniques to do, maybe making like some type of like asset, like a, like a punch list or a checklist of APT 29's like behaviors and map it in a way and demonstrate how you could test it axiomatically or atomically. And then that could be like a play, um, like a, 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 not a play sheet, but that could be like, Hey guys, like I know we're checking APT 29. I've gone ahead and taken all their TTPs and put them in a spreadsheet. And right next to each entry, I've put how we can test it. So if we want, you know, an hour a week, two hours a week, we could just start chewing through this. That's an idea. And then they could say yes or no. But like, basically, you've built a tool that can be leveraged to execute on um, testing APT29. There you go. There's an idea. I like that. All right. Is Nick, was it Nick Barker getting out of here? Nick Barker, be good, man. Uh, Nathan Bullen, one thing I did was create a word doc that mapped the cyber kill chain and miters kill chain and what can be done at each layer. Very nice. See, Nathan Bolin with a sick idea. That's awesome. All right. Um, Space Tacos, what are your top two tips for writing a dope final report for an audit? Um, so 
What, okay, so here's here's like a really good um, suggestion. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I try not to sound um, pretentious. That sounded like a total D thing to say. What, what I do in my reports, and I would recommend others do because I have found it to be effective. First of all, you got to have an executive summary. You got to have an executive summary. And in the executive summary, just outline the top one or two risks that you discovered, okay? And like your entry paragraph, you might want to say in two sentences what you did. You know, like I, I performed an audit on this um, on this scope and the following are my key findings, key findings, and then outline key finding one, key finding two. I'm a huge, um, I'm almost like um, overcommitted to the rule of threes. So I always have three key findings in my executive summary but you do you. So have an executive summary because the executives are going to read it. Two, make sure that you uh, put a table of contents to make it really easy to access to. Three, I always like to have, you know, obviously you're going to have your findings, but I always like to have a strengths and weaknesses section. So don't just throw shade on them for like not having multi-factor or whatever. Um, Because there's people who are behind the scenes that maybe couldn't implement multi-factor or didn't have money. There's people working hard. So I always like to put um, a strengths section and point out like the, the, the really good stuff that you saw, the positives you found, really shine those people, specifically the people in a really good light. Make any gaps you discovered, if it's true, more about uh, you know technical limitations or lack of budget, the things that the executives can do something about right? Then obviously you got to have your findings where your gaps are. And then at the end, have some type of like, not conclusion, but like final thoughts or maybe conclusion that like, you know, uh, if, if it truly is an audit, then you are auditing against something. Um, you, you outline your level of compliance with whatever the standard was that you had outline the impact. So say you were doing a PCI compliance audit and you found that you were not compliant. Well, you could say like, hey, we're currently at risk because we're not compliant with PCI. If we were to have uh, an, an independent audit from the PCI, from a QSA, then we we would you know potentially lose the ability to take credit cards. Hey, I checked we're not compliant with CMMC 2.0. If we get independently audited, we may not be able to bid on government contracts. Like you have to out, you have to spell out not just what the risk is, but what is the impact? Because remember, Space Tacos, the person you're talking to, the, the recipient of that report, they're not a cyber pro. They're likely not an IT person. And they need to know, like, so what? What does it matter? Why? Why? Who gives a sh- Sorry, Kennedy. Who gives a crap of we don't have multi-factor? I don't even know what multi-factor means. Who cares? You have to spell out in clear language what is the impact. And then also remember that IT people are also going to be recipients of that report. So you want to make sure that in the detailed sections of the report, you're outlining a little bit more of the technical stuff. But that's why the executive summary is called executive summary because the the, the the business isn't going to read all the details. The IT people are going to. All right. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. All right. Let's keep going. Um, uh, what's the secure control platform most used in the healthcare industry? What is the secure control platform? Cyber Butterfly, I'm sorry. I don't understand the question. What is the secure control platform? I don't know what that means. I, I'm sorry. Cyber Butterfly, if you can rephrase that. 
Um, I will say that, you know, when I was in charge of a, <laughs> when I was in charge of an information security program at a healthcare industry, I moved it over to NIST cybersecurity framework. We weren't like um, beholden to the framework, but I was a big advocate of it and did a lot of work to uh, map to the NIST CSF and then identify gaps through that and build uh, the program in that direction. So if that's what you're talking about, NIST CSF. RKV says, always watch your videos post live. Today is my first live session. RKV. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Love having you. So Nathan Bolin mentions HIPAA. Yeah, HIPAA is a federal, U.S. federal law that U.S. healthcare um, providers have to uh, hold to. Um, it's mostly around protecting PHI. It's less about securing. HIPAA is not... Um, comprehensive enough to defend a cybersecurity organ uh, of an organization. For example, in the news today, this story came up. Children's Hospital hit with cyber attack. They could have been HIPAA compliant and that would have still happened. Okay. Epic. So Epic is a EHR platform. So Epic is, so if you're talking, I guess if you're saying like what EHR platform uh, Epic is a very big one. It's also incredibly complicated. High Trust is a certification standard for healthcare um, that is like, I guess, when people think HIPAA is a security standard, uh, High Trust plus certified is a better standard. Again, who's asking for that? No one specifically. There isn't a federal law for healthcare orgs to stay High Trust compliant. It's more of an opportunity to demonstrate that you are complying with some standard spoiler alert. People aren't going to the emergency room and before they admit themselves saying what's your high trust certification state rating. NIST is very, very flexible. Oh yeah. All right, here we go. I know Chris Young, so close to a no swear day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Epic Epic is um well it's Epic. <laughs> it so John Brock is 100%. Like listen, Epic is so complicated that Epic, the company requires you if you're going to if you're going to buy Epic and implement it in your organization, they require you to hire like um it, it's some like the number depends on the size of the implementation and what modules you're going with. But like, let's just kind of pick some round numbers. They require you to hire like 50 Epic employees to work with you through the implementation. Like you can't just buy their software by itself. You have to buy professional services for, uh, for the project implementation. <laughs> All right. What else we got here? Good thing Nick Barker left. Uh, I'm starting to fade a little bit and Nick always jumps on me for not, I didn't eat today. I just had coffee, lots of it. Uh, hey, and by the way, uh, community, just really quickly, I, I, again, I, I soft launched this uh, Cyber 101 course and it's gonna go it's gonna go wide later this week. But if anyone in the community has constructive, honest feedback for me uh, regarding this, please. Like obviously I'm doing it to help um, 
to generate revenue and help the community at the same time. And it, you know, this is part of my business now, but like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm all about making things as good as they can be for people. So, um, just a humble ask if anyone has constructive feedback, uh, please share it, um, when you, when you do have it. Um, and I'll, you know, I appreciate it. It's not, like, it's not just a cash grab. Like I put a lot of work into it and I'm hoping that it's going to help lots of people. That's, that's really what's up. Chris Whitlock passed Prostito lab fix. Oh, thank you, Chris. I'll have to look into that. Let me see. I'll pull it up. Oh yeah, Chris Whitlock. So I guess if you use OpenVPN, you can get unlimited lab time. That is true. That the one thing, here's my thing. Here's my thing. I think a lot of people who are going to be taking a Cyber 101 course are really going to be um, wandering into the IT waters for the first time, which is why I put all the primer stuff in there. Setting up a VPN is not difficult for me and you but I just, I'm the person, I'm the person who answers all the student uh, emails. Like when a student has a problem, they email me directly. I'm constantly replying to student emails for the GRC stuff. So I, I, I feel like if I say you can do the VPN, I'm, I'm just going to get destroyed. Like I'm, I mean, I guess I can make a video on how to set up the VPN. That could work. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Thank you for the feedback. It's a, it's a good, it's good to know. I didn't know that. Matt McDaniel says I'm still going, but not as hyped. Yeah. I'm at 70% hype right now. Okay. Thanks, Chris Young. So Chris Young says he couldn't get the labs working with VPN. That's what I'm saying. Like the more, the more, um, the more like complex you make something the more it's likely to break or have problems and stuff like that yeah space tacos you're not the, literally you're not the first person to say that to me um uh shadrach welbeck says which course do you recommend for cybersecurity basic well honestly shadrach this course like Listen, here's the thing. I'm not making, here's the thing. I'm not just making courses to like pump out courses and have a library of stuff for people to buy. I'm making courses that I think people need, frankly. I they, I, I, I talk to people all the time and what where their pain points are and why they're struggling. The GRC Analyst Masterclass I made because people asked me where to get GRC training and I, I, got, I felt embarrassed that I couldn't give them a good answer. So I just made a course. Same thing with this one. I feel like there's a lot of like intro stuff out there for sure. But to me, none of it goes into the level and depth of this. And, and by the way, I'll point out like, you might th say like, oh, Google CyberCert has uh, uh, an intro to cyber course and stuff like that. Yes, but one of the huge glaring gaps that I see in most of the uh, beginner InfoSec training out there is that none of it, none of it talks about the realities of working at a business in cybersecurity. Like, why don't we have budget? Why vulnerability management is an absolute grind and why people get apathetic about it. Why you need to like bring Krispy Kreme donuts to the IT people. Why the different jobs, why are there different jobs in the industry? Why can I be a pen tester? Like 
no one says that. They just say like, here's a network, here's DNS, here's how you pop a shell, go off and do things. And you have no freaking connection to reality. And that's, to me, that's a problem. So how about I take 20 years of working in the industry and getting like <laughs> skinning my knees and scraping my elbows and dump that into an intro course along with all the other stuff you would expect in an introduction course and give it, give it, put it out there. That's what I'm saying. Cool. Sawtooth Red finished that Google cyber cert. Great job, Sawtooth. Yeah. Scott Max says too much intro courses. Yep. Thank you, Dennis six. I agree. Or D Denise, Dennis, Dennis, S D Denise six. I'm sorry. It it's hard to, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Hey, Sawtooth Red. Exactly. So, so here's my thing. Here's my thing. Sawtooth Red in chat just now said, I'm confused a little bit and intimidated. Okay. And Sawtooth Red just finished the Google Cyber Cert. This is my thing. Like, I, I'm not throwing shade on anybody else's introductory courses, but to me, there's a gap because it's just like, it's just straight objective knowledge. It's just like, here's the technical, here's the technical, here's this. And there's a, there's, you're failing to connect it with practice and real life and the way that the, the organic behaviors of an information security office and the way it interfaces with the business and the way the business perceives information security and the way that you deal with vendors and third-party risk and the reason why multi-factor isn't a silver bullet, like all of the things that make it real, those are often gapped because you've got some you've got some person reading some script that was probably written by some other person. And it just it's just not, it's not enough. It's not enough. Cyber 101, guys, the deal is the reason I wrote the courses, the reason I wrote the scripts, the reason I like filmed the videos, the reason I took the feedback is because I want to make sure that it's exactly what is missing. I'm sorry to flip out here. I just, I, I hadn't, I haven't really expressed to anybody like what the motivation was behind it. Plus, plus I teach at the Citadel. I teach a very similar course at the Citadel and I see, I hear the questions from the cadets all the time. I know where the pain points and confusion are. All right. Thank you. And I'm sorry. Like I'm, I am, I, I do apologize. Okay. I apologize. I'm sorry. You guys don't need to hear me flipping out and ranting about this. Oh, Hey, really quickly. Um, uh, really quickly. Um, let's start a poll really quickly. Um, if you're still here, you are definitely the target demographic, um, for this because you're here for late jaw jacking. The last two weeks, Eric Taylor has jumped on Friday jaw jacking. If you don't, if you weren't here, he did like a two and a half hour marathon two Fridays ago. Last Friday, he jumped on cause I had to go to a meeting. Uh, it's been really nice. Eric Taylor is a longtime uh, Simply Cyber community member, longtime mod, a friend of mine, personal friend. Uh, he delivers a lot of great insights. 
I'm a GRC guy. I came up to CISO. Eric Taylor is a SecOps guy and he's like in the trenches and, you know, like tons and tons of experience. So it's really two different perspectives that he we share. If you would like Eric Taylor to be a more regular Friday jawjacking member, um, <coughs> please uh, let us know by voting now. Eric, it's 100% yes at this point. So we'll see where it goes. Well, this song's got some little vibe to it. Alpha Sierra says, I don't have anything to apologize for. Your consideration is evident, surely, to everyone here. You take as much care giving us the deal about the news. Yes, thank you. I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about cybersecurity. I'm passionate about helping people. Uh, like, I'm passionate about support, inclusion, and, and really empower. Like, here's the thing. I can't help everyone all the time, but I can certainly do everything I can to empower people with all the tools they need to be able to help themselves. Is it true though? A lot of courses don't help understand how it directly works in the job, AKA theory. Yeah. I mean, certainly some do. Couple people pressing no. That's okay. Hey, it's anonymous and you're completely open to your opinion. Thanks, Chris Young. I did. So Chris Young, I did make several segments free or, or not free, like public preview. I think I did. So the two intros, what's the course for and who am I? You guys already know that. Uh, my video on cyber kill chain, you can watch right now as a preview. And I think I made one of the labs. Hi, like a stenography lab, how to do that, hide data and pictures. So if you're interested, uh, you can go to cyber, uh, simplycyber.io slash cyber101 and take a look at it. All right, I'll wait till we get, um, we have 292 people here. We have 174 votes. I'll wait till that gets a little bit more up there. Please take a minute and vote if you would like to see Eric Taylor as a more recurring segment on uh Fridays. We might, Hey, we might even have to name it. Um, we'll see about that, but we'll have to name it. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Alexia Grimes. No problem. Scott Mack. It's my pleasure. Hey, I love that. Jamie Grunewald shows up at 7am every day because of the passion. Thanks, Jamie. That's why I show up too. It's 100% why I show up. Oh, hey, um, this is kind of cool. Kimberly, I'm sorry. I know we have a meeting uh, right now. Um, this is kind of cool. I don't know if you guys saw this on social media, but um, hold on. I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw this, but this is kind of cool. Um, I went to Dakota State University for one of my master's and PhD, and I love Dakota State University. I have high, high high praise, high affinity for Dakota State University. And uh, they wrote this really nice uh, article. Um, they interviewed me and they wrote this really nice article. If you're interested in checking it out, um, I'm very proud of it. I, I sent it to everybody in my family. <laughs> um, Matt McDaniel shows up at 6.30 most days for the passion. That's right, Matt. All right. 
So Kimberly's given me uh, Kimberly's given me permission to keep going with the flow. So extended jaw jacking. I meet with Kimberly at 9:30 a.m. on Mondays. So typically I end it. I got guys. I got to tell you, like this is getting a little personal, but like literally for the last I don't know month, I get up at uh, 6 a.m. I you know kind of get the boys going, and then I come out to the studio and I work for like an hour. And then I go back into my house and I do some stuff. And then I come back and do the daily stream. Today was the first time that I stayed in the house. I sat at the the coffee counter. I had a cup of coffee. I talked to Callan for a little bit. Like it was chill. Like I I didn't have to, I didn't have to work (laughs) like an extra hour before the show started. Uh, It was really nice. It was really nice. So, and, and I bring that up because now, I, I'm a little bit more free to do some extended jaw jacking because I don't have this like looming deadline of um, got to got to grind on Cyber 101. Got to grind on Cyber 101. Yes, I do not swear in Cyber 101. Sorry, Kennedy, uh, that I that I don't swear. <laughs> I don't uh, apologize because I don't swear. Rihanna and Andre says, I'll be putting my son through Cyber 101. Oh, hey, that's another thing. Um, Really quickly, I need to make a little video on how to do it. But um, I looked into it. You can do gifted. So people have asked me in the past, can I gift one of your courses to somebody else? Um, And it was really tricky how to do it. But yes, you can do it. There is a perfectly normal way to do it. Be good, Tom Bishop. Hope everything's well, buddy. Out on the boot, Chris Whitlock, is your experience, what are the top things for the people who start in an entry-level GRC role, such as areas that need to focus on more? Yeah, so Chris Whitlock, entry-level GRC, if you want to get going quick, like obviously you need to dial in and engage with your information security office, ask the CISO or your director, you know, what are the top three things we're working on so I can get going? But what I would argue, um, one of the best ways to deliver kick at sorry, Kennedy, kick butt um, value is uh, two things. One, uh, figuring out what framework they're on and kind of getting their their stuff in order, like clearly documented, clearly communicated where they are with whatever framework they're on. Because uh, a lot of times they're like, oh, we're going to do this, this CSF. And then they kind of just start going about their business and don't really actually map to the framework. That's one way and that's documentation. The second way, and I'm a huge fan, is actually... Um, looking at their information security awareness and starting, because uh, most businesses that aren't doing it well do like annual PowerPoint or they have some like, um, on, you know, SaaS provider platform, not going to name any names. Uh, they have some SaaS provider platform that is accessible to end users to log in, but most end users aren't going to proactively go do information security awareness training. So what you can do is look at the the gaps of that and then makes us suggestions like, Hey, I'd love to send uh, a a once a month letter out to the business, like a note from this information security office with some cyber risk reduction, those rotating kiosks with like the little, here's the menu for the week, or here's some upcoming events, get into that and and have one slide, very simple, very eye catching of like, don't fall for a fish or like, you know, threat actors like want to trick you or like whatever. But like, like boasting, but building up the information security awareness program is a great way to demonstrate value, even at an entry level role, because 
Uh, first of all, it's typically, it's there to be had. Secondly, it's easy to execute. You don't have to have deep industry knowledge. You don't have to have done an enterprise risk assessment and understand what the threat landscape is for your industry. Because uh, educating Carl, it's going to be the same pretty much everywhere for basic fundamental uh, cyber hygiene. What else we got? Uh, your passion. Uh, so SP working on it says your passion is what gets people to watch and can't wait for the show. I got my nephew interested by having him watch the channel. Well, thank you, SP working on it. And thank you, nephew. Hopefully you're here in chat. Good to have you. Whoops. Oh my God. Um, Chris Whitlock says, oh wait, I already answered that question. Uh, or Oscar Flores, how can I get an SC shirt? Okay. So Oscar Flores, um, let's do this. I don't really, uh, pump the merch. I don't know if you've been a regular here, you know, I mean, it's there, but I don't really, I don't really pump it. Cause that's not, you know, but, uh, right here, uh, if you go to simplycyber.io, if you go to, hold on, I got this mic in my face. If you go to simply cyber slash, uh, simply cyber IO slash merch, you could see here right now you get free standard shipping on two items or more. Um, and here this looks cool. Yeah. I might actually, is this a sticker? I might order this. Um, so you can get, uh, the classic shirt. You can get the classic shirt. You can get the new like SC logo. Whoops. That's good. Very cool. Oh, also, also, hey, really quickly, if you're still here, you're a hardcore Simply Cyber community member, Team SC. Um, the graphic designer sent me some more updates. If you guys are interested, I, I I think it's cool. Let's see what you guys think. All right, hey, looks like we got a hundred votes. I'm gonna end the poll. Ninety-five percent are down with Eric Taylor coming back. So yes, Eric, we will. Uh, explore that on Friday. Uh, IDK says, will I team up with Eric on Friday jawjacking? Yes, as time allows. Um, what we did before, uh, the first Friday, I did jawjacking for like half an hour, I think. And then Eric came on and we kind of wrapped together. And then last week, I just had to leave at nine. Um, so, yeah. All right. Let's see what else. So Ross Echeverria says, is the YouTube masterclass next? Yeah. So yes, uh, I would really like to do that. Here, here's where I am right now. I have been so heads down on Cyber 101 that a lot of other work that I have committed to has been getting not the attention it needs. I'm doing a speaking engagement in March, a speaking engagement in April, a speaking engagement in May. I am launching a new podcast on February 14th. Um, and, uh, oh, and I'm trying to like line up some work for black hat. So all of those things I, I need to like, they're not terrible amounts of work, but I need to execute on all of them. And then I was actually going to try to take a little bit of a break, honestly. Uh, which will probably last like one day. And then I'm going to be like, I'm bored. I got to work. Uh, but um, I would like to put some more time into the, the YouTube masterclass. Yes, Ross. 
But my next course that I'm definitely, definitely going to execute on is the enterprise risk assessment course. Um, and, but that'll be in the fall, like late fall. So it, it, that course will probably launch a year from today, but I'm super excited about that. Okay. Um, nice. Christina Paulika's got the vintage team replay shirt on. Oh, so cool. Yes, Christina. It's good to have you team live too, though. Always nice. <clears throat> ITK says better with both of us. Thank you. I appreciate it, Ross. I am super excited um, about the YouTube course. It is a lot of fun. It's just, it, you know, what's tricky about the YouTube course is like with, with the, like the cyber education courses, it's like me talking in the camera and like sharing slides with the YouTube course. I need to like film it differently because I need to like, I need to show you like where the light placement goes. And I need to show you the difference between like, you know, uh, um, a tube light and a ring light. And, uh, um, like right now this light's been turned off above my head. Like, you know what I mean? Like, hold on one second. Just, um, like I want, I just want to show you like something very subtle, but like, look, like just the lighting or even the audio, like the audio I've, I'm going into a mixing board, right? Like I've got to get that explained and dialed in, but look, look at this. Do you see how that just turned on? And now I've got a shadow on my forehead. Like that's not. This is how I was running it for a while, but that's not good now. Like this is the better look. Okay, but that's like a real subtle thing. And in order to show you exactly what's happening, I have to have cameras in all sorts of different places. So unfortunately, filming this YouTube masterclass is a little bit more tricky than um, the cyber education ones. Oh my gosh, cyber 201. Oh my God. That that's like asking me like about Simply CyberCon 2024 as we're wrapping Simply CyberCon 2023. I just got lightheaded. Oh, the vapors, the vapors. Um. So Space Taco says, "Will that class? Will the risk course include business email compromise, or will you make a separate business email compromise course?" Um, I don't know if there really needs to be a separate business email compromise course necessarily. Um. Here's the deal. When you do an enterprise risk assessment, there's two kind of um, angles you can come at it from. One is enterprise risk and like, what's your security posture? What's your threat landscape? Where are your gaps? And this is like the more traditional big picture, like we're assessing today because we're going to understand what our foundation is so we can build on top of it and, you know, you know, mature into the level we want. Then the other way is we're worried about ransomware. What is our risk to ransomware? And then doing it like a, a full risk assessment, but only within the lens of like ransomware attack vectors. So how does ransomware get in? Like, you know, who would be susceptible to falling for it? Uh, if ransomware detonates, what are we doing? So like you can do it from a specific threat or you can do it as a general, general enterprise risk. So I could do a micro course on business email compromise risk assessment. I could do that. Actually, you know what? That's not a bad idea, Space Tacos. Maybe I do the full big booty, like full blast, wide open, super big enterprise risk assessment course. And then I just have like little add-on modules, I guess, or whatever for like ransomware, business email compromise, like what you would, how you would, you know, 
come at it from that angle and what the reports would look like. Maybe I'll do that. Oh man, that's a tough question. So Cyber Diary says, do employers find it odd if you do not have a profile picture and use your last name initial on LinkedIn? Is it better to not have LinkedIn? So stalking is definitely no joke. Uh, Don't like that. What I would say is last letter initial, I don't think is a big deal. I don't think that's a big deal at all. Um, Now, as far as your profile picture, you know what I would would suggest? Um, Honestly, I know this is going to sound... Hold on. I'd have to think about this. My first thought is just uh, use a different picture. Not yours, right? But like... So say you're a um, middle-aged uh, uh, blonde woman, right? Or whatever. Like maybe like do... Um... Chad, I, I would like your thoughts on this, okay? Because I understand the real risk here. I might do... Uh... This person does not exist, okay? Actually, hold on. Um... All right, so hold on. We're looking for a middle-aged blonde woman. There's another site that's in my actual Cyber 101 course. I forget what it is, but you can actually define. um, Let me see. I think it's fake profile generator. Yeah, here we go. So gender, female, age. Let's make you 35 or 30. I said, you know, mid state. Let's go upstate and let's generate. So this wouldn't be a good one because, you know, picture back. No. There you go. It's not perfect, right? But you could use something like this, right? You could also use AI, right? You could use AI to generate. I'm just thinking like you have something that's kind of representative, but not you, Yeah. I'm trying to do this. I'm a middle-aged blonde woman. Don't clip that. I'm I'm typing this into ChatGPT. All right. I'm just, I'm just, I said, draw me a cinematic LinkedIn profile photo. I'm a middle-aged blonde woman. Let's just see what they, what they say here. Yeah. I mean, the, the AI avatar things is good too. The thing is like, if, if you're worried about, um, someone using like Google search on images to find you, that's one thing. There you go. I mean, this woman looks a little gaunt but yeah we could just give me a new one no Chris Young <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy <laughs> I'm a middle-aged blonde woman all right while this is uh, dicing up here How's everybody else doing? Like any, 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 anybody, any big projects, anybody? Um, here we go. Look at this. Boom. 
There you go. So, like, anyone that looks at this, you know, they're going to, like, go on LinkedIn. They're going to look at the photo and be like, oh, okay, like, it's an AI avatar, but it's, like, okay, it's professional. It looks nice. Like, let's look at the profile. That's what I would say. And then when you go in for the interview and they say, um, hey, your profile photo is different than who you are. At that point, you could say, yeah, I, I you know, for privacy reasons, I like to... Um, I like to keep a, a lower profile for privacy reasons. You don't have to get into like stalking and all that stuff unless you feel comfortable doing it. But I don't know. That's an idea. Thank you, Justin Rohr. Keep you engaged. I, that's how I hack the YouTube algorithm. I say stuff like that. Uh, let's say that's a good idea. Thank you. I didn't want to put my own picture because of Pim eyes. Yep. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. Cyber diary. I, you know, middle-aged uh, dark haired man. You know, like whatever, whatever the qualifiers you want, Dolly will get you there. Cyber Butterfly. Hi, Jerry. Sorry, my internet connection's terrible. Oh, the framework. Yeah. So Cyber Butterfly, you can use high trust. That is a framework designed for healthcare. But me, I'm a big nice NIST cybersecurity framework fan. The reason I like NIST cybersecurity framework is because it's awesome for starters. It's actually built to not just be a bunch of controls across different dimensions, but actually built with the concept of security operations at its root, left of boom, right of boom, plus other businesses and partners, whether you're uh, doing mergers and acquisitions or just teaming with other businesses. This cybersecurity framework is quite popular and has a lot of transferability, so people know it. <clears throat> so that's, <clears throat> that's why. <clears throat> Any advice for a resignation letter? Is a two-week notice necessary? Well, Edwin Blanco, I would... So here's my take on that. I think a resignation letter is uh, a good move. I like it. I actually have a video for that. LOL. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Um, I, I can't pull it up right now because it's such an infrequent video. But I do have a video on Simply Cyber on how to write a resignation letter. Um, I, I, I like a two week notice personally. I, I have high integrity and high professionalism and uh, unless it's a toxic situation, right. Or, or, um, or, you know, even, even when I was told I wasn't going to get paid, <laughs> right. Like effective, like, Oh, like you guys know my story, but like, even then I still worked out the week to close up the projects I was working on, which I probably shouldn't have done. But, um, but, uh, I, I, I like a two week notice. I like to say, Hey, like I'm extending two weeks notice. I'm available, um, to help with transitioning. Um, I can close out these things if it's reasonable. And also Edwin Blanco, I would be prepared for them to terminate you immediately. That's one thing that sucks that you can't really control is if if they are bad or whatever, they could terminate you immediately. So be prepared for that. Um, but what I would say is by giving a two-week notice, by having high integrity and high professionalism, you will leave a very good taste in their mouth. And keep this in mind, okay? This is, this is like the more you know, okay? Here's the more you know. Great question. Just because... Listen, let's pretend Christina Paulica is my manager, okay? Christina's my manager and things are good. 
at, at the work, but I, I'm going to leave. And I'm like, hey, Christina, like, I want to give you a, a two-week notice. Here's my resignation letter. You want a resignation letter in email because you want something firm that you can stand on in case they try to come back and say, oh, we had no idea. You left us hanging, whatever. By sending the resignation letter in email, it, it's definitively proof that you've done that, that you've given them notice you're quitting. With the two-week notice, right? Hey, Christina, I'm going to leave. Christina's like, all right, um, like, that's good. Like, let's figure out how to transition your work done. Now, what's nice about that is maybe you're never going to go work there again, but guess what? Christina might go work somewhere else. It's a human interaction. And now Christina's like, oh man, like I also didn't like working at that company, but now I work at this other company. And Edwin was like really good at X. I wonder if Edwin's interested in coming to work for me right? You need to separate the human from the business um, because it's all about networking. It's all about professionalism and and things come back full circle. So for me, for those reasons, I like to give a two-week notice. I like to leave on the best possible um, terms that I can because I never know what might come of it. Um, Chris Young um, says, any recommendations on how to get hands-on experience or home lab for cyber threat intel? I have a certification in the IBM Coursera course, but no projects to demonstrate skill. <clears throat> um, no, I don't know of any cyber threat intel labs. I do know you might be able to um, use something like Pulse Dive. Um, here. You might be able to do something like Pulse Dive. And... Um, you could type in stuff here, like, and kind of, you know, use it a little bit, like get your threat intel here and then turn around and do threat hunting in your SIM lab. That's one way to do it. Um, another way you could subscribe to threat intel feeds, like Alien Vault's got one. Alien Vault OTX, if you Google that. And uh, I think they have a free version. Um, you can browse it, right? And basically just dig into some of this stuff and then do either write blog posts on your findings, right? Or uh, take like five or six different pieces of independent threat intel from five different sources and then render some type of um, threat intel analyst um, an, an analysis, right? Like make an intel report and post it. I mean, that, those are two ideas that I have. Wow. A lot of great comments and questions in chat today, guys. Thank you very much. Love it. Love it. Love it. We're having a remote PCI DSS assessment interviews kick off today. Devin McCarthy, Devin McCarthy, straight crush it. Crush it. All right. Beating my head on the desk, trying to find a cyber job, Mark Johansson Stanley. But other than that, training, training, look forward to the SOC core skills this week. Yeah, I hope I hope you crush it, Mark. And uh, obviously, John's an amazing instructor. You'll enjoy that. I hope, Mark, that the Simply Cyber Community Challenge helped you um, build your professional network some. I know you had the baton last week. Jesse Johnson grinding out Slay Sec Plus questions and slides. If you're not familiar with Slay, Slay Sec Plus, um, Simply Cyber um, is technically a sponsor of Slay Security. We haven't been able to like really galvanize that. Again, I've been super busy. I want to make a uh, 
like I want to I want to properly sponsor Slay Security Plus with money so they can buy things to make Slay Security Plus even better. And I, I want to um, do all that. But in the interim, I do want to share. Look at this Jesse Johnson right here. Guys, I love Jesse Johnson. If you're looking to, um, if you're studying Security Plus and you're looking for a community to like do it with, that's like in a really awesome format, go check out Slay Security Plus um, ASAP. All right. Uh, Space Tacos first on its wrapping up. Very nice, Space Tacos. Does your class help with Sec Plus? Van Poke asks. Yes. So, Van Poke, my class does help with Security Plus. Having said that, my class is not a Security Plus uh, cert prep course. So, I make no, um, I make no declaration or I don't even mention it in my course that it will prepare you. But all, here's the thing. All of the things, all of the concepts that you will cover in Security Plus are addressed in my course. Now, getting into like discretionary access control versus mandatory access control versus role-based access control, those detailed uh, elements, I don't get into that, right? So again, it is not a Security Plus certification prep course, but understanding where everything fits that's what it is. Like to me, honestly, when you study security plus, you're basically like memorizing facts. But if you have no context of where the different things you're learning fit into and how they play a part in a bigger ecosystem, then you're just memorizing facts. Be good, Christina Paulika. Wow. All right. Kimberly's out. I've been for the last year trying to move right now. I can get promoted and I've been at my org for more. Oh, I cannot get promoted. Any thoughts? I have a ton of SecOps experience. So Nathan Bolin, honestly, if you cannot get promoted at your current organization, uh, I would do one of two things. I would move. Also, by the way, in all reality, it, it, if money is important to you, the easiest way to get uh, paid better is to switch jobs. If you look at staying at one job, your salary increases are going to be like meh. If you switch jobs, you can demand a higher salary and like you will jump significantly, significant increments. Okay. So if money's important. Also two years at your job, nails. I love it. That's a perfect time to switch jobs and explore. Um, plus I would argue by being employed, finding a job when you already have a job is considered easier We've run through all the, uh, <laughs> we've run through all the, uh, stream beats. Now we're moving on to, uh, sublime. We'll do one more sublime. This, Hey, this sublime song is going to send us out today. Okay. Y'all what's up real Bilbo. Good to see you. You sure? Uh, thanks, Chris Young. I love this song. This song, dude, when it's like the first day of summer, like whatever that day is, not like the official first day of summer, but like the first day that like you got that vibe of like, you know, top off, like hand out the window doing this move, feeling good. You, you just crush something at work. I play this song personally and I play it loud. Because it just, when they go into the chorus, 
and and Bradley's like, oh, like it just feels so good. I'm actually gonna juice it up. So lower, lower the volume if you don't want this to blast in your office. It's just that I'm not going back. Like it's it's like I'm done with work. I'm not going back. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's a little tidbits Tuesday on a Monday for everybody. What do you think about using a lab for Active Directory with IT and cyber for a lab? Yeah, Active Directory is huge. Um, most businesses run Active Directory. Small businesses typically don't nowadays. A lot of small businesses just leverage Office 365 and that's okay. But larger businesses are going to have Active Directory and Azure Active Directory. So knowing those technologies is really valuable. And Carrie, I would argue that if you're a pen tester, you're going to be pen testing organizations that have Active Directory. If you're looking for a really good free resource on um, like learning Active Directory and stuff, um, let me do this. TCM Zero to Hero Playlist. Um, this is from the Practical Ethical Hacking course. Um, but uh, Cyber Mentor, this is four years ago, so your mileage may vary, but this is free. And um, he does, throughout the length of this course, explain how to build out an Active Directory lab for yourself. Yeah, I'm not going back. Love it. I love, yes, KevTech IT's got a lot too. I love Kevin. If you guys don't know Kevin Apollinario, he's wonderful. He is an incredible, an incredible person and just a really great uh, resource for everybody to learn from. All right. Thank you, Sublime. Thank you, everybody. Everyone, uh, thanks so much for hanging out today. It was a really fun extended jaw jacking. I'm definitely pumped to be on the, on the other side of cyber 101 hopefully you know hopefully you guys can see it you know i've had a couple tough days in the last month um i try not to bring that negative energy onto stream but the mods know and some of you know personally that i've i've had some struggling days um but i feel amazing today and i hope all of you also feel amazing come back tomorrow at 8 a.m we're going to be straight crushing it with another daily cyber threat brief I'm Jerry, your chat. Until next time, everybody, have a great Monday and stay secure. If you enjoyed that content, keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.